the book of Mark, chapter number 6, and we're going to start reading at verse number 45. Amen. Mark, chapter 6, and we're going to start reading at verse 45. For many, this is a familiar place of Scripture, uh, something that many are uh, familiar with and we've heard preaching from, I'm sure, on many occasions from this. But today, I believe the Lord would want to challenge our hearts Amen, with, I believe, some truths from this passage here today. Mark chapter 6, and starting in verse 45, if you're there with me, would you say amen? <clears throat> the Bible says, speaking of Jesus, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethesda. While he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even or evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by, or passed by them. But when, he saw, when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. If I can, for just a few moments of your time this morning, I want to preach on this simple thought, and that is, there is nothing beyond Him. Amen. There is nothing beyond Him. And we're just going to ask if we can, together in prayer, the Lord to help us as we look at the Word of God today. Father, I thank you once again already for your presence that's very real in this place. Lord, as you have already been ministering to hearts and lives represented here. Father, I pray once again your anointing upon your word. We know your word is powerful, effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, I ask you would go before us. Go before my frailty. Anoint, I pray, my mind and lips. I pray, Lord, hide me behind Calvary's cross. So that you are seen and heard and you are glorified. I pray, Lord, let the word take preeminence in our hearts and minds today. Anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive it, understand it, and apply it. And Father, we'll thank you in advance for what you'll do as we leave this place different than the way that we came. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Nothing there is nothing that is beyond Him. Amen. 
as we look at this this morning, I want you to understand that uh, if you just read through this passage, and sometimes this is what we do in our reading of the Scripture, uh, and what I mean by that is that sometimes we can be familiar enough with certain events in Scripture that we read through them and we're just kind of caught reading. And what I mean by reading is you can read through something and not necessarily pick, on, pick up on or neglect to see clearly uh, the truths that are being uh, revealed in a particular passage. Uh, we see some of the components that are here that you cannot deny. Uh, we see and know that in this particular text of Scripture uh, and one that we are very uh, familiar with, you have to understand uh, the context of the scripture. And when I make that statement, you have to, when you read something, it's always good to see what has come before, what am I reading now, and what comes after. I want to get the whole picture. I want to see exactly what all is going on. And in this particular chapter, we come to find, Brother Hemp Hill, that one of the most notable miracles in scripture has been performed. It is one of the, one of the miracles that Christ performed form that many talk about, that many preach about, and if, uh, if I can dare say so, that I believe even in the context of Scripture, that after this particular miracle was performed, that even the fame and the power of Christ began to spread abroad even more. This miracle that I'm referring to, you'll find in the verses that are uh, previous to where we took our text, and that is the feeding of the 5,000. Amen. Everybody gets a little excited over when there's a good supper. Amen. Everybody gets excited when there is a uh, when, when there is something that happens, and you are a benefic a benefactor of it. And we find that five thousand men men were the ones who were counted present there. But you have to understand, counting women and children, we've all heard this in different capacities. It is believed to be assumed anywhere from if you were just to add uh, women and children and and just go by that power of three, we understand this now is more like fifteen thousand. If you have families that have more than one child and things of that nature or others that are there just visiting, then that number gets into possibly twenty to 25,000. Some Bible historians even believe it could have been up to 30,000 people that were there, but men that were counted. And we see that in this great miracle as everyone was filled and satisfied. Everybody that was uh, there, a recipient of that meal, and they were filled, they were satisfied. We find that Christ had been there. He had been there preaching. He had been there teaching, ministering, praying for their sick, uh, healing bodies, all of these things. They were there well into the evening, so therefore, by way of compassion, he wanted them to be fed. He did not want them just to be sent away, but he wanted them to be fed. Of course, in this, we find that a lesson, a lesson was being taught. A lesson, not only a miracle that was provided to the people who were in need and hungry, but a lesson that was being applied, amen, to the disciples. And you can go back and refresh yourself over the story, refresh yourself over the things that happened. But now we come up to the point where this particular, this particular miracle, it is now in the process of becoming a memory. It is now in the process of something 
thing that Brother Marvin no doubt will be talked about. No doubt that many will remember and say, do you remember that day? Do you remember what Christ did? Do you remember that meal? Amen. Do you remember the situations that took place? But it is now a memory as it is something that had transpired. And now there is something else to do. Now there is another place to go. Now there is another another opportunity that awaits Christ and these disciples. And we find in this here in this particular text of scripture that there are some things that if we are just reading it over that maybe you would find yourself of the opinion that originally that Christ maybe was a little bit hard on these men. That maybe that Christ was, some would say well maybe he just he needed a break from them. Maybe he was just deciding to disengage for a little bit. Because the Bible here sets the stage of the fact we see that the disciples are in the ship. We see that while they are in the ship and they are out in the middle of the sea as that they find that a storm comes upon them. Wind that is contrary. The Bible says that they were out there toiling all through the night trying to get to destination. Water in the ship. All of the chaos that comes if you can imagine being caught right in the middle of all of these things that are going on. They being in the ship. Christ being on the shore. They being in the turmoil. And Christ just standing it seemingly out there on the land and taking a look-see as to what is happening out there. Some would say that that sounds like he was disengaged. I mean why would Christ decide to go to prayer meeting? Why would he decide to go up into the mountain to pray when all of these things were going going to happen and go on around them? But you see in this to an untrained eye if you will, uh, to an untrained heart looking at the scripture as to where some would pose the argument that he was leaving them out there to perish. What kind of mind game was being played? What kind of emotions was Jesus fooling with here by letting them right out here in the middle of all of this and him not being there? Oh, some might think those things, but I believe that as we look here at the word of God, you will find that it is evidence and that it is proof, amen, that in all things that there is nothing that is beyond him, amen, that in this, even in the most chaotic situations, even in the most uh, uh, most upending circumstances of life, even when there is more question than there are answers, turmoil than there are solutions, uh, chaos more than there is peace, I can assure you of the fact today, amen, that in this morning, even in the midst of where you and I might be, in the gamut of emotions, in the midst of battle, in the in what seemingly looks like we're lacking, in where it seems like that God is disconnected from where we are. I believe this morning the Lord wants to remind the church family 
I believe God wants to encourage a heart here today that there is absolutely nothing that happens, will happen, no storm, no sinking ship, no chaos, no pain, no disheartening, no discouragement, no temptation, no trial. There is not one single iota of your life that is beyond the power, the eye, the heart, the care, or the concern of the master. Hallelujah. I want you to understand here this morning that we find proof in the scripture that there is nothing that is beyond his concern. Amen. Nothing that is beyond his concern. We find a lot of times that you would say, well, the argument might be proposed. It is the thing a preacher is supposed to say. It is a spiritual cliche. It is religious rigmarole. Amen. That when we say things like, what matters to you matters to the master. I mean, they've written songs about it. There's bookmarks about it. Bumper stickers and t-shirts. Oh, Brother Jake, it's the popular thing to say. And I understand we hear phrases like that. What concerns you concerns him. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. We understand all of those things. We've heard all of those things. And sadly, even though it's biblical, even though it's the truth, isn't it funny how we and our humanity will also dismiss those things because we... We think we are in a situation or a position as to where the concern and care of God is beyond us. Hear me. It's beyond us. I want you to take a look at verse number 48 here in our text. And I want you to notice as to where how this verse starts. This verse starts by saying this phrase. And I love this. I underlined it in my Bible. I highlighted it. I put a circle around it. Because Sister Gloria, I want to be reminded of this. And it simply says this. He saw them. Amen. I, I, I didn't figure you'd shout right off the bat, but I, I'm going to say it again. Amen. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to let it sink in a minute to where you can give a hearty amen. All right. Are you ready? Verse 48 says this. It says, he saw them. And somebody said... Oh, listen, right now you may not think and maybe all of the circumstance around you makes you think that you are beyond his concern. You are beyond his line of sight. The word of God said this. It said when he had sent the people away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And it said, and when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. Oh, and I want to remind you here of something is that the enemy or circumstance, the lies of hell would love for you to think that right where you are, right in your particular situation, right in the middle of your hurt, you see, here's the truth of the matter. There are some things that, yes, are very different about our circumstances. There might be details that are very 
different for Sister Linda than they are for me. For Brother Matt than they are for Tobin. Because in different places, different seasons of life, different circumstances that are going on. Though there might be some different, uh, uh, differing situations, I do know this, is that the devil, he loves to play the same old game. You hear what I'm saying? It may look different because it's your child, it's your money, it's your health, it's your temptation, it's your struggle, and you're out there in the middle of it all, and you might there might be some things that for you it is particular for you. I get it. But here's what I come to learn a long time ago. It's as different as your situation is, and as different as my situation is sister Laura one thing we do have in common we're fighting the same devil and the same devil wants to destroy you like he wants to destroy me and the same devil sister Anna will lie to you like he lies to me and the same devil brother Keith will try to tell you God's not concerned just like he tries to tell me that he's not concerned you're in the ship you're in the storm and where in the world is Jesus he's out there on the land he's out there separated he is out there you don't know exactly where he's at the storm's so bad the circumstances so tough the wind is contrary I'm exhausted what am I going to do I want you to be of good cheer child of God I want you to see the truth written in the word of God that while he was on the land the hip hill he was there there in the storm but he's on the land and he's looking out there and the word of God said he saw them I want every devil in hell to know I want today every child of the king to know you are never outside of his concern or the eyesight of the savior hallelujah you're never beyond his line of sight. Was there any of you growing up that when you thought you was hiding something from mom and dad, they supernaturally had an eagle eye that could see right through your bedroom door. They could see you around the corner at your neighbor's house. Come on here. Did you ever walk in the house, mama said, I know what you did. I'll never forget, I've told this story, honest to God's truth. I'll never forget one time, mom had her back to me. I was about seven years old. And I was getting into something I shouldn't have been getting into. And mom didn't even turn around. She said, put that down. I looked at her. And I said, how did you know? And Sister Brenda, she said the words that every good mama says. I've got eyes. I think it comes in the mom manual. I, th I think, Sister Cindy, it's written in there. Tell your kids this. Tell your kids this. I've got eyes in the back of my head. For the next six months, I'd stare at my mother's head. Amen. I'd look. She'd brush her hair. I'd look. She'd flip her hair. I'd look. Amen. She had me convinced, Sister Mildred. I'm telling you, because not only did she do it once with accuracy, many times, many times that I thought I was out of her line of sight. Amen. 
Want me to tell you another story about a time I got a whipping? Yes, Sister Polly said, yes, tell us. Amen. I remember there was a, there was a big old, uh, anybody seen a banana spider before? And they, they look very scary, don't they? They'd they be about the size of my hand right there. They all stretched out, yellow and black normally. And they just kind of look something that came out of a scary movie. Amen. Looks like one of them spiders that if they bit you, you'd turn into Spider-Man or something. I mean, it just, they're just big and ugly. And there was a banana spider that had built a large web from our front porch to the side of our house that connected. Well, in the summertime and all that, mom would keep the main door open and the screen door was there and, and all that. And, and uh, she told me, she said, I want you, Jacob, to leave that spider alone. She said, he is not hurting anything. She said, if you go and look in that web, he's caught all kinds of flies and mosquitoes and all that kind of stuff. Yes, ma'am. I'll leave him alone. Well, my neighborhood buddy, he came riding his bike down my house and, and he saw, he saw that uh, spider web there and he said, I think it'd be a good idea. Let's throw some sticks at that web and see if we can knock him down. The first thing I said is I said, my mama said, and he said, your mama ain't around here. And I should have known better. Amen. I should have known, Brother Hemphill. She could have been locked in the basement somewhere, but she's going to see what I was doing. And so, therefore, I looked around in the house. And, and I looked around through the window. And she wasn't in the living room. I didn't see Brother Jay and the evidence of her shuffling around. The, I didn't know where she went to. So, therefore, we had the green light. We picked up every stick and every rock that we could. And we, was not, and we did it, Brother Michael. We knocked him down. And not only did we knock him down, but you see, back during that time, everybody wanted to be Hulk Hogan of the WWF. And I went over there like Hulk Hogan, and I did a, a foot drop on that spider. Amen. And I squished him, and he went everywhere. Hallelujah. And so, I, my, of course, I was trying to impress my friend. And so we got done. He rode on his happy little way down to his house. But when I stepped in the door, I had on a blue, a blue leather karate kid belt. And it had pictures of the karate kid on that belt. And my mom was getting ready to karate this kid, I'll tell you right now. She said, you come here. And I walked over there playing dumb. I said, yes, ma'am, what is it? What's going on? And she grabbed me by that belt. She unbuckled it and pulled it out of the, out of the loops all on its own. In two quick moves, she had that belt out. And the next thing I knew, Karate Kid was applied to my backside. And I was dancing all over that living room. And she said, I saw you knocking down that spider web. I told you not to kill that spider. Amen. And so she itsy-bitsied my spider. Amen. Man, all over that living room until I confess that I was sorry, Brother Danny. Until oh, I know there's some parents you get nervous when there's talk like that. Amen. We need some more kids have their karate, the karate kid applied to them. Amen. I'll just leave that right there. We better keep on preaching. And so therefore, Amen. She she swatted me good, Sister Shannon. She whipped me and she said, "I saw what you did." And she reminded me again. She said, "I want to tell you." She said, "When I tell you to do something, you better." 
let her do it. And she said, I'll tell you another thing. She said, because I always see what's going on. Now, I know now, Sister Cindy, that wasn't exactly the truth. She was human. She didn't have eyes in the back of her head. Sometimes it was common sense. Sometimes it was my own idiocy doing things, amen, that I thought she wasn't aware of. And I come to learn that. Oh, but can I say this? There comes a point in time in our life is that we are in a place and in a position and we are thinking that God is not concerned because we can't see him and we can't sense him and we can't put our hands on him but it never changes the fact that the eyes of the Lord are in every place the word of God says David said if I tried to go and take on the wings of the morning and ascend into heaven he said you would be there he said if I made my bed in hell he said you would be there I want to let somebody know today you are not beyond the realm of his concern for your life and when you can't feel him when you cannot see him I promise you brother Todd he sees you and he knows you and he sees your heart and he sees your tear and he knows your struggle he sees it because nothing is beyond his concern we often think that silence or we think that him being separated is evidence that he doesn't care and that is the furthest thing from the truth We are often too busy or too quick to associate whether or not God cares about us based off of whether we feel Him or not. Whether we sense or see Him or not. I want you to understand, we are often more preoccupied with verse 47 than we are verse 48. Because verse 47 said, they in the ship, he on the land. They had no thought about verse 48 that says, and he saw them. We are often judging. We we don't sense his nearness and we start to feel, listen to me church, that he is unfair or unconcerned. And that is not the truth. Can I ask some of you parents, you've got grown children out of the house. Some live off in other states. Or maybe when they were gone to school, if they went to college or what have you. Sister Mildred, your only son, he's up in, is it Pittsburgh? Where? Philadelphia? Because you are not near him, does it change the way that you feel about him? Does it change the way that you pray for him? Does it change the way that you love him? No. Why? Because that's mom and dad. And because there might be some distance or because he might be in one place and they are in another. He's up near the east coast and they're down here, down south in God's country. And all of, the, and all of that distance and the hundreds of miles that separate, it does not change. Sister Shannon, when Cody moved out of your house and got married and he's down there on his own in mid-county and, and working and doing those things, has it changed the way that you care about him? 
him? Has it changed the way that you love him? Has it changed the way that you pray for him? Has it changed any fact? He may not be bringing uh, Brother Casey broken motorcycles anymore, but if they're still in need, it does dad and mom, with the best of your ability, still show up? Yes. Why? Because they're never beyond the sister, <laughs> sister uh, Chambly. You know who your name is. Amen. You've got a boy in the Middle East. He is thousands of miles away from you. Brother Jay, when he got on that plane and went over the Middle East, did you say, well, he's gone now, out of sight, out of mind, Bubba. I'm sorry. No. Has it changed the way you prayed for him? Has it changed the way you love him? Would it change that if there was something that happened over there, would it change the fact that you would move heaven and earth to do anything you could to get to where he is? Why? Because you love him. Do you see the point that I'm trying to make? That we, if we will afford ourselves that same concern, if we will say, there's no way I would write off my child, no way I would dismiss somebody because I was in one place and they were another, then can I... T- the word of God said if we being earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children how much more does your heavenly father is concerned and cares for you I'm going to tell you right now and you might say well brother Jacob I've got a daddy that didn't love me well I've got a mama who didn't care do you know what David said he said when my father and my mother forsake me He said, that's who you'll be to me. That's who you are for me. I want to tell somebody in this house, he is concerned about you. He's concerned about you. Distance, season, circumstance, space does not change the fact that he sees you. He sees you. Secondly, there is nothing beyond his control. Amen. There's nothing beyond his concern and there is nothing beyond his control. Contrary to what it looks like, a chaotic storm, a ship nearly sinking, disciples in chaos. Sister Laura, he was in control Of every detail of it. Every detail of it. You see the storm came upon them suddenly. Not Christ. Because he controls the winds. The seas. The rain. They are in a panic. Not Christ. Corey Ten Boom said it best. She said in heaven. There is no panic, only plans. He is in control. I've shared with you probably the story before of Brother Hickman out of Brother Goodwin's church. When we were there serving with Brother Goodwin, Brother Hickman had got Alzheimer's and it was very aggressive. And he would come down the hall, Sister Hickman would bring him in. As a matter of fact, Their daughter has been a member there of uh, New Horizons for some time. And in one of the services over there with Brother Roderick, she came up to me. She said, do you remember who I am? And 
I said, yes, I remember who you are. I said, there's several times that I've mentioned your dad in preaching. And we were talking about this that I'm getting ready to share. Some of you have heard it if you haven't. Brother Hickman, he would come down the hall. Sister Hickman would be bringing him down the hall. And I could be walking towards them. And he'd look at me. He'd stop. He'd look at me. He'd say, I know I'm supposed to know who you are. I said, yes, sir, Brother Hickman. I said, it's Brother Jacob. I said, I'm one of your preachers here. Yeah, he'd say, yeah, that's right. And he would talk to me a little bit. And Sister Sandy, in every conversation, he said it, he ended it like this. He would say, did you know that God is the master of every situation? Walked into the hospital one day to check in on him. He had been having some other health complications. I walked in the door, Brother Danny. He said, did you go out to the woods today and get them logs that we cut? I said, yes, sir, I sure did. Sister Hickman was over there kind of shaking her head. And I did like this to her, like, you don't worry about it. It's all right. And we sat there. And Brother Gary, I put on my best ball cap of saw milling and logging that I could. We talked lingo, we talked sawmill, we talked pulling logs out of the woods. He was convinced that day I was one of his workers. And so we talked about that. Sister Ricks, we talked about it. And Sister Hickman, she said, but Jacob, I'm so sorry. I, I, I know he'll get off on a tangent. So I said, no, I said, we can live in his world for a little bit. But after talking sawmill and talking logging and him making sure that we got everything pulled out of the woods, Brother Tobin, I said, Brother Hickman, I said, can I pray with you? He said, yes, sir, you can. And so we prayed. And after we prayed, he looked at me, Sister Laura, and with clarity in his eyes and with assurance in his heart, he said, do you know he's a master of every situation? All of us in this building know that Alzheimer's is a cruel disease. It's a cruel disease that takes the mind of people but I'll tell you this I found more than once that there was some things that Alzheimer's couldn't touch there was some things brother Eddie that were down inside of somebody that only God could put in there here is a man couldn't remember his kid's name here was a man couldn't remember who I was one day I'm a logger one day I'm a preacher another day I'm somebody else but every single time sister Linda he could say here's what I know in what he didn't have control of. He couldn't control his mind. He couldn't control things in his body. But it didn't stop him, Sister Gay, from saying, He is the master of every situation. He is in control of it all. May God help me that if a man who's losing his mind can be assured in his spirit, then let me understand God that there is nothing beyond your control you're the master of every situation every situation I want you to understand in this here's a couple of things that we need to see like I said earlier if you just read it you'll miss it but if you really look at it I want you to notice what happened we find at the beginning of our reading in this text what did it say that he constrained them to go into the ship. In other words, they were commanded to go into that ship. What was the second thing said? We're going to pass over to the other side. They were told what ship to get in. Christ knew the storm that was going to be on that sea. 
But notice what he said. We're going to go over to the other side, to Bethesda. I want somebody in this house to know that there are some things, Brother Michael, that God has spoken That God has promised. That God has set down in the core of who you are. And there will be every bit of hell that will try to end uh, upend what God has said. To try to convince you, like I said already, that he's not concerned. And the second great lie is, is that God's not in control. But Sister Kimberly, here's what I can assure you of. If God told you to be there in it, then that's where you'd better be. And he said, if you're gonna, you've got a destination, there's a place that I've got you to be, then that's where you're going to be. He said, we're going to pass over. You see the storm caused them to lose sight of it. The wind and the rain caused them to forget it. The suffering in the moment caused them to question it. But brother Matthew, when God said this is where to be and this is where we're going to go. Sometimes sister Linda, when my world is dark, when nothing makes sense, I'll tell you right now there's got to be a resolve inside of your spirit that said God called me here and if he called me here he's going to take me exactly where he already said I'm going to go hallelujah so let the wind and the rain come let all of hell assail he is not only concerned about me he sees me but he already orchestrated my path my chart My course, my destination. Paul, in a similar circumstance, was in the middle of the storm of Eurachlodon. You can read it in Acts chapter 28. I've referenced this many times. Storms so bad, they're tossed everywhere. No, No moon, no stars, no sun. Hadn't been seen in several days. Paul, the great apostle Paul, said this. All hope that we would be saved was lost. But somewhere on that ship, Brother Michael, Paul found a place I believe to pray. Paul found him a cubbyhole somewhere. Paul found him a place to call upon the name of the Lord. And the word of God says, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him. And he said, Paul, he said, it is required of you. You have been commissioned and mandated. You will go stand before Caesar. Jesus told those disciples, get in this ship and go to the other side. Different storms, different set of circumstances, but the same God who is in control of the outcome. When things seem out of control, when things, things seem hysterical, when there are things that you have specifically prayed for and then all of a sudden there comes a sucker punch so hard. There comes something. Has anybody besides me ever been there? When you have prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted and believed and prayed and believed and prayed and I mean you've done everything you could in obedience. You have sought God and everything seems like it's going as it should, Sister Linda. Everything seems like it's going as it should. All the passengers, everybody, everybody's where they need to be. Everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, 
you can't catch your breath. All of a sudden, sunny skies are dark. All of a sudden, people are making decisions that are disappointing. All of a sudden, people are doing things. They're in a panic. They're in chaos. And they are forgetting that, number one, he's concerned. And number two, that he's in control. Can I tell somebody, if your ship sinks, it's not because God sunk it. It's not because God sunk it. It's because you tried to take control of the situation. And there are some ships that will sink no matter how hard you toil. No matter how hard you try to fight against it. You need God to move in that circumstance. I've never been disappointed in God, Sister Anna. But I have been disappointed when I tried to control the narrative myself. And it fell apart on me. It fell apart on me. He was concerned. Nothing's beyond his concern. Nothing is beyond his control. In this, the last thing I want to say. Matt, let me pause here for a second. He being God knew of every dynamic, every detail, every raindrop, every gust of wind, every doubt, every fear. Because he's in control. He knows. He's concerned. Showing control. He showed control of the circumstance, Brother Matthew, because the Bible says... That in the fourth watch of the night, who came out walking on top of that storm? Who came out with the storm under his feet? The word of God even says that he would have walked past them. To add insult to injury, I mean... What is Christ doing? He's separated on the land. He sees them where he is. And the Bible said he, was, he would have walked past them. Do you know why? Because he wanted them to grab a hold of the, tr of the very truths that we're mentioning here. That if they would stop for a minute and recognize and realize that his concern, his control, that they would pass over because he already said so. I want to tell somebody today, please hear your pastor, know that I say this in love. There are some things that you don't necessarily, and I know this is going to sound contradictory, but there comes a point in your walk with God where you're not going to be in a situation where he holds your hand through every circumstance. There comes a point in time, Sister Amber, where you get up and you go and you walk on your own. When you're praying it through on your own. When you're believing God on your own. Somebody sitting here this morning, you're starting to get offended. Don't be offended. No, I'm telling you the truth. He still sees you. He's still concerned. He's still in control of the situation. But you'll find as we read this, he was wanting them to discover some things on their own. That's why he was willing to walk past them. He, nothing is beyond his consideration. Christ's consideration for the events before them actually goes back to the miracle that they had just witnessed. It was a miracle that preceded their situation. 
of what was training ground for the current situation that they were in. The Bible says, if you look in Mark chapter 6, the same chapter we've been reading, but verse 43, it says, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. 12 baskets for 12 disciples. Bread and fish. Sister Janie, inside of those baskets was the evidence of the miraculous. Evidence when Philip said, what is this, meaning the people, what is this amongst so many? What, what are we going to do? And another said, well, we've got a lad here. He's got his lunch. It's a couple of fish and some loaves. So what are we going to do with it? We know the story. We read it. We, was, we, we weren't there, but we see the end of it all. God blessed it. He distributed it. Everybody was satisfied. Everybody was filled. And at the end of it, Brother Marvin, 12 baskets, 12 men. And you know what the Bible says? They took those baskets and they were commanded to take them into the ship with them. You see, before the storm ever came, Udy, Christ, because nothing is beyond him, he had already made consideration for what was going to come upon them. I'm here to tell you right now, you see, like I said, the thing that's so sometimes discouraging is how quickly we forget God was moving and providing. Our current circumstance, our current circumstance, two weeks ago, you were shouting in this altar. Two weeks ago, you were singing the victory. Two weeks ago, you had your hands lifted in praise. Two weeks ago, tears were falling down your face. Two weeks ago, you was praying it through. Two weeks ago, you felt the power of God in ways you hadn't felt maybe in a long time. And isn't it funny how the miracles that, that God does and the things that He does, in about a day's time, you let the right storm come, come along, you're convinced He's never been around in a year. Here. Where in the world's God been? If He loved me, I wouldn't be there. If this was, hear what I'm saying. Do you know why He moves the way He moves? Do you know why He will do this today in the way He does it today? It's because there's something tomorrow that you need to remember and recognize the miracle of today. He already made consideration for what that they were going to be up against. And in that consideration, Sister Anna, he made provision. The Bible says that when he came into the ship, the wind ceased. They were amazed and full of wonder. He had told him, he said, look, it's I. It's, be of good cheer. It's okay. It's me. He gets on the ship. He's talking with them. And there is, a, in the Gospel of Matthew, there's a rebuke that comes to them. When he tells them, he said, oh, you have little faith. And do you know why? Because at the foot of every disciple set the evidence of the miracle. And here in the book of Mark, it says this. If you reread the, re -read the last verse that we read in our text, it said that they did not consider. They did not consider the miracle of the loaves and the fishes because their hearts were hardened. We are a people where all the time we're wanting a miracle, we're wanting God to answer, we're wanting God to move, but sadly it comes at the expense that tomorrow we've done forgot. Tomorrow our hearts are calloused. 
Tomorrow, we think we're up against a new situation that God can't handle. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. There is nothing beyond him. Nothing beyond his. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you come. Nothing beyond his concern. Nothing beyond his control. And nothing beyond his consideration. He's made provision for you. He's making provision for you today for the things that you're going to face tomorrow. He knows, Brother Eddie, that Monday morning's coming. He knows that in three months from now what's coming. He's aware of what's going on. I was talking with a gentleman this past week at camp. He was sharing with me his heart was heavy in regards to some things that his family had been up against in this past year. And I told him, I said, brother, I said, you can do this as well. I said, but I look in the course of my life, Sister Debbie, and I can see where in one place it was such a severe storm. And God led me through it and he helped me and I learned some things. But in the next destination that he had me in, there's no way I would have survived that new place if I hadn't learned some things from before. Why? Because he was considerate and he was providing for me then, brother, that I didn't know that I needed for where I was there. Brother James, there was things I didn't understand why then. But when I got to the next place, I fully understood. And then, Sister Anna, there was some new things in that place that God was doing because I was going to step into situations and places that I had not been for the next place. Before we are so quick to dismiss God, before this morning you are so quick to think He doesn't care, that He's not compassionate enough, considerate enough, that He's not mindful of what's going on, stop and think and know there's nothing beyond Him. Nothing beyond His concern, nothing beyond His control, nothing beyond His consideration. He's considered you, Brother Keith. He's considered me. The Word of God said this. It said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of peace, plans of prosperity. He said, I'm not, not to harm you. Not to harm you. But that you could see good, experience good. But here's what I know, Brother Taylor, sometimes it don't feel good. But it's working for my good. Nothing's beyond him. Every head bowed. Father, I thank you today for your faithfulness. And I thank you for every heart and life represented. Lord, today you know, you already see. You're already aware. You have witnessed there's somebody here this morning and they feel like maybe you are disconnected. Feeling like that you don't care. Somebody this morning who says, I don't feel him in a certain way. Or I don't sense him in a certain way. Maybe they would describe it as if it's like a roadblock, a hindrance. But it does not change the fact that you see. You might be in one place and I might be in another. In the, in the scope of what's going on but I'm there because you've commanded it I'm there because I'm obedient but Lord I, I can't seem to see or find you 
But it doesn't change the fact that nothing's beyond your sight, your concern. Lord, I pray, remind somebody by way of the Holy Ghost that you're still concerned. Lord, I pray, remind somebody today that when they feel their world is falling apart, they can't fix it, they can't solve it, they don't have the remedy, they are not in control, but Lord, you are. Lord, you are. You're still over atop the winds and the seas. You're still walking over the storms of our life. You're still there. Lord, I pray today for someone who's looking today thinking that you've left them unprepared, that you've left them abandoned. But yet, if we take a look, there's the evidence of the miraculous in our life. There's the evidence of your power at work. Because you are considerate enough to provide for us today the very things we need to be reminded of tomorrow. Lord, I pray you challenge our hearts. This morning in this house, I don't know your storm. I don't know. I may not know the particular place or where you were when God said, get in this ship and I want you to go over to the other side. But you'd remember he commanded you to do it. You need to remember that He has called you. You need to remember that He has chosen you. You need to remember that you're His son, you're His daughter. And that He has made provision, consideration, and control in every situation that we're up against. If that's us this morning, can we come and find ourselves a place around these altars? Could we come this morning find ourselves a place that we can get a hold of God come and find ourselves a place where we could call out to him maybe some things you're not in control of but today you realize he is some things that you realize oh that he's made provision and he's already considered you Lord help me to see where you're making a way help me to see Lord where you're providing help me to see Lord where you're doing the work Lord, let me remember that nothing's beyond your care. Nothing's beyond your concern. Nothing's beyond your control. Nothing's beyond your consideration. Oh, but today, today, Master, I'm looking to you. That he was asleep in the stern home. Does he not care that we pay?